0: All right. Oh, this is it. This is it. We uh, we've coming. We've we've come. We've come to our last week in our series. This opening series on the Apostles' Creed. Um, So for the past, uh, I think this is maybe week number ten, but we had a week in there where um, Pastor Bob preached. So maybe week we've had eleven weeks where we've been in the Apostles' Creed, um, looking at the the foundations of our faith. These are articles of our faith that have been professed um, since the, the early church, um, way, way back, way back, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. We've been looking at uh, not all of these, but, um, but a lot of them. And we've also been using the Heidelberg Catechism, which is a 16th century um, teaching document that came out of the Reformation period that helps, to, helps us to interpret Scripture, um, keeps us focused on the grace of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done. Um, and so the, the Heidelberg Catechism uh, walks us through uh, what does it mean that we say that we believe in, in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord? What does it mean we say we believe in the Holy Spirit? So today we're, we're coming to the last, um, the last article, I believe in the life everlasting, amen. Well before we get into the Heidelberg Catechism, before we get into our scripture, let me open us with a word of prayer. God, we are thankful. We're thankful that uh, as people today, we have your word. We can receive your word. Lord, we know that it is more than just an exercise of listening, though. This is something that has to come from your Holy Spirit. If there's going to be transformation, if there's going to be life change, if there's going to be an acceptance and living in your grace. God, we need your Holy Spirit to make these words come alive within us. So by the power of that Spirit, open up our ears, our minds, our hearts, Lord, we pray that you would break down any walls, any barriers to, to this word today. Help us to receive this word, and in doing so, help us to receive you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, again, I will read, I will read the question, and then we will respond together with the answer. So question and answer 58. How does the article concerning life everlasting comfort you? even as I already now experience in my heart the beginning of eternal joy. So after this life, I will have perfect blessedness, such as no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human heart has ever imagined. A blessedness in which to praise God forever. And then question and answer fifty nine. This is um, kind of a culmination um, of all the articles of faith. Question is, what does what good does it do you, however, to believe all this? In Christ, I am righteous before God, an heir to life everlasting. And then from our scripture passage, First John, First John chapter five. We're going to look at verses ten through thirteen. Right, verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I believe in the life everlasting. I believe in the life everlasting. Well, since our creation, humanity has been choosing death over life. When given the choice between full and abundant life and permanent, joyless death, Ten times out of ten, we choose death. We saw it in the garden. In the beginning, God, he created us from the dust of the ground, and he put us in a garden. He put us in a garden that was full of life, that was teeming with life. And in the center of this garden, there were two trees. One of the trees was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the other tree was the tree of... Life, The tree of life. You know your Old Testament. God said, all of these things here are yours. All of these trees are yours, except that tree right there. He said, do not eat that tree that bears the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat that fruit, surely you will die. All other trees are yours. That means that there was no restriction around this other tree, the tree of life, the tree of immortality, the tree of eternal life. Well, I guess we did not want life because when given the choice, we chose death. Now, fast forward. That was the book of Genesis. Fast forward into the book of Deuteronomy, where Moses has been leading the Hebrews. Um, And they come to this point where they're stopping and they're getting ready to cross over into the promised land. Moses is giving his final thoughts, his final words to the people of Israel. And he says, this day, I am setting before you life and prosperity, death and destruction. Follow the ways of the Lord. Live according to the Lord's laws. Walk in accordance to his decrees. This is the way to life. Choose life, he says. And what do they choose? Well, just a couple chapters later, actually it's the very next chapter, God predicts that they are going to walk away from him, that they're going to walk in a way of disobedience. And then he predicts that these, uh, these disasters are going to fall upon them. And we see these disasters fulfilled in the book of Kings, in the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of the minor prophets throughout the Old Testament. God's people are turning away from him. They have this choice between life and death, and they are walking towards death. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, but wait, what about the New Testament? We do so much better in the New Testament. Well, you would be wrong. (laughs) We do not. Well, God, seeing how we have distanced ourselves from him, seeing as how we have failed to follow his laws, failed to find life in this way that he has given to us, well, God himself comes down to us. Eternal life himself comes to live among us. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the He says, drink from me and you will live. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And how do we respond? Crucify him. Let's kill this man who claims to be eternal life itself. Same thing happens in the the book of 1 John that we read today. John is writing uh, to this community of believers because there has been uh, a separation. There's been a group that has distanced themselves. They have broken apart from the apostles' teaching, the teaching uh, of Christ's apostles. And they are teaching things that are um, contrary to to what the apostles have been teaching. One of these teachings is um, the, the humanity of Christ. They're denying that Christ came in the flesh, that God himself came in the flesh. John is saying, if you want life, Jesus Christ is life. If you walk to Jesus Christ, you have life. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have life. Again, he is saying, you right now, you are choosing death. There is a choice between Jesus Christ and life and not Jesus Christ and death. When given the choice, we have this overwhelming tendency to choose death instead of life. And before we look down our nose too much at those people back back in the Bible, let's think about us. How do we do in this choice we have between death and life? Well, I would suggest that we know that we have something missing, that there is this separation. Since the beginning when we separated ourselves from God, there has been this this lifeless void within us. And we have been trying to fill this lifeless void with cheap substitutions, with imitations. Instead of turning to the creator, instead of turning to life itself, we turn elsewhere. And we look for life in not the creator, but in the created. We look for life in the created order. And so we look at our relationships. And we demand from our families, from our spouse, from our significant other, that they fill us up. Make me happy. We don't say these words, maybe we do, but we really. This is, this is just a thought that's underlying these, uh, these attitudes and the ways that we've been living. And so we posture, we manipulate, we try to control and coerce these relationships to make them go how we think uh, that they should be going. Trying to suck from them something that they were never meant to give us, this abundant life. And we do the same thing with our work. We try to take from our work and find this deep satisfaction and this, this deep contentment on a level that only God can give us. And so we burn out. We burn out our bosses. We burn out our coworkers. Most of the time, we burn out ourselves when we're working and we're striving to try to, to squeeze out of our work something that it was never meant to give us, this abundance of life. And I hate to say it, It's hard to say it, but we do the same thing in our places of worship. We bring our misguided longings into this place. Don't get me wrong, bring your misguided longings into this place. But what we do is we bring them into this place and instead of looking to Christ, instead of looking to the one who is life, we again look to the created order. And we say, how can this place, how can these people fill me up? How can these people make me happy? And so if the music doesn't touch us, doesn't hit us in that special way, Or if the people of God uh, aren't meeting us in that deep need. Or if our our work uh, through the church and the community is not resulting in what we'd hoped it for, this feeling inside of us, then we start to get a little bit restless. Fill me up. Fill up this void within me. Make me happy. Make me whole. And this is what we do as fallen creatures. We have been separated from life. We have separated ourselves from life. And this is not lost on us. We know that something is desperately wrong. Something is is desperately missing. But we grope around in the dark and we're looking for something to fill us up. And so we're just, we grab at these cheap cheap imitations trying to fill us up. And really, if we are not walking towards Christ, if we are not having Christ, then we are not walking in the way of life. And if we are not walking in the way of life, well, then we are walking in the way of death. As humans, as fallen humans, we have a tendency, our overwhelming tendency, ten times out of ten, we choose for ourselves death instead of life. But thankfully, Thankfully, God gives us that which we do not choose. In our reading today, it says, God gives us eternal life. God gives us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The only way that these deep longings are going to be met, the only way that this abundant life is ours, is through Jesus Christ. No other person, no other place, no other thing is going to meet that intense longing we have. Jesus Christ. God gives us eternal life. Now when I say eternal life, my guess is that we, we move um, to the, this thought of the afterlife, this thought of the future, This is what the Catechism says. It says, After this life, I will experience a a perfect blessedness. This is what we believe about eternal life. That when we die, we go to be with the Lord. And when we go to be with the Lord, we enter this time of, of everlasting peace and contentment of joy, this never ending fulfillment and satisfaction. So think of a time. Think of a time in life when you, were, you, you last felt um, this abundance of life, this satisfaction, this last, when was the last time that you felt whole, when you felt full, fulfilled in the spirit of the season? Uh, maybe you're going to think about um, a previous Thanksgiving dinner where you were gathered together around the table You were sharing memories, sharing laughter as you feasted on your favorite food. I want you to take that joy, that contentment that's in your mind. I want you to subtract out any of those unfortunate underlying family tensions, because we all have them. And I want you to subtract out the grief that you experience Because not everybody can be there, whether they're away geographically or whether whether they've passed on to be with the Lord. There's grief there. Now I want you to take that joy that's remaining, this, this, uh, this pure joy, and I want you to multiply it by 10, and then I want you to multiply it by 10 million. This is the joy, this is the peace, the fulfillment, the contentment that we have waiting for us. As God's people, this is our promised inheritance. That one day, when we go to be with the Lord, this will be ours. These longings will be met. These longings will be satisfied. And so today, this doctrine is a doctrine of comfort. And may we find hope in it. May we find comfort in it as we walk through our darkest of days. May we find comfort in this doctrine as those waves of grief come upon us, thinking about especially in the holiday season of those loved ones who have passed on before us. And may it give us hope, may it give us strength, as we ourselves maybe have fear around facing death. Eternal life is a doctrine of comfort for the future. But that's not all. That's not all. That's what I want to do. I want to do I want to I want to take out our lasso. I want to I want to throw it. I want to I want <whistles> to I want rope eternal life and I want to pull it back. I want to pull it back into our present. I want to bring it back because this is not just a doctrine for the far off future. This is not just a concept that that will impact us some other day. No, this is this is for us right now. Eternal life is for us right now. Because in our passage this morning, John says, God has given us, God gives us eternal life. We have eternal life. He doesn't say we will have it after we die, he doesn't say we can hope to have it after everything is said and done. No, he says, we have. We have eternal life in the present. And what John is talking about here is not a concept. It's not a far-off doctrine. It's not something that only impacts us when we're way off here. No, he's saying that this eternal life, he's saying it is a person. Eternal life is a person. Later on in this chapter, he says that Jesus Christ is, he says he is God and eternal life. Jesus Christ is God and eternal life. And so we see that Jesus Christ right now is eternal life for us today, where we stand in our present. And he becomes uh, the contentment, he becomes the satisfaction to that longing because he is this person giving us exactly what we've been missing What we've been missing out on this whole time is this relationship with God. Remember in the beginning, we broke that relationship with God. And now Jesus Christ himself comes as God, entering into relationship with us. So it is only in him that we find this missing link, because it is only God and Jesus Christ that is God. Jesus Christ, God himself himself, is eternal life, and that eternal life is with us now. It is with us today. Well, Paul or uh, John, we're talking about John here. John, John says the purpose. The purpose for me writing this letter to you, this is in verse thirteen, is that so that you who believe in the Son of God may know, may know that you have eternal life. Well, how do we know? How do we know that we have eternal life? How do we know that everything you know, that God says uh, has been missing is fulfilled in us? How do we know we have this today? Well, he says you have Christ. If you have Christ, then you have eternal life. So what does he mean when he says we ha- if we have Christ? Well, having Christ it means that we believe, that we trust, that we have faith in this testimony that God has given us concerning his Son. It means that we believe that Jesus Christ himself is God incarnate. This is what we're going to be talking about in Advent. Jesus Christ is God himself walking among us, who walked among us as God. It is believing that Jesus Christ came down to us and was killed for our sins to make us to make us whole with God, to put us back together. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. It is believing this. It's believing that eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ. Having Christ, what it means to have Christ, part of it is this belief, this faith, this trust in the testimony that God has given us through the scriptures, through the apostles. It is no less than this, but it is more. Because having Christ is not just a belief. It's not just this one time, hey, I believe this stuff, and now I have my ticket to heaven. It's not like Jesus Christ is the conductor who who takes us on a train and lets us off at the stop at eternal life, and then we, we say, oh, see you later, Jesus Christ. No, having Christ is possessing Christ. Having Christ is where Jesus Christ becomes the center of our heart's affections, where Jesus Christ becomes the absolute focus of everything that we have been missing. Having Jesus Christ means that this is our anchor, this is our daily walk, this is our daily obedience, that we are finding our life in Him on a day to day, hour by hour, minute by minute basis, possessing, having Jesus Christ. This is what John says in in John 17, verse 3. He says, this is eternal life. To know God, the Father, and to know Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. To know, to intimately know, to have relationship with the Son. To have relationship with eternal life. This is how you know, is if you have him. Abundant life is found in Jesus Christ, and that abundant life is ours today. Now, I don't need to tell you that having this abundant life today means that we are going to have a pain-free, struggle-free, worry-free life. Do I? Does anybody have that? No. Okay, no hands raised. So, (laughs) uh, I don't have to tell you that. This is your experience. Why? Because we live in this time in between where Jesus Christ, life himself, capital L, life has come and has defeated death. But life has not been given full reign over the earth. So now we live in this time of in-between, where we have this eternal life. We have Jesus Christ, and yet we are still living in this world, in this earth, that is still ruled by death. This is the pain. This is the brokenness. This is the longing. And so while we live in this world, we are continually tempted and enticed and lured to find our life in something else, someone or something else. We are constantly being led astray to find life in these things of the created order instead of Jesus Christ. And so this is why we come back to practicing abiding in Christ. This is why we sit In the solitude with Christ, allowing him to speak to us in the stillness. This is why we practice reading God's word, pouring over God's word, not just for head knowledge, but for the opportunity for God to speak his love over us. For him to guide us and to control our thoughts, telling us who he is and who we are and where we are to find life. This is why we practice meeting with God's people to live out his word, to apply his word to our life. This is why we gather weekly in worship. This is why we practice the gathering of God's people, to come back to remember where we find life. Christ is the goal. Christ is the focus. Christ is the center, because Jesus Christ is eternal life. So brothers and sisters in Christ, the question is, where where is your heart? What is your heart longing for? What is your heart longing for and where are you going to get that longing met? It's not just belief. It's not just the faith. It's having Christ. It is possessing Christ, knowing Christ. He is our heart's affection. God gives us eternal life and this life is in his son amen? amen amen allow me to lead us in prayer god when we talk about eternal life we touch on things that are that are hard to grasp lord it is hard to grasp what it will look like to be in a life free of pain and struggle and sorrow, to live a life of just pure joy where all of our longings are satisfied. But Lord, you you give us that life now when we see glimpses of it. We taste it, Lord. We long for it. God, help us if our, our desires are misplaced. If we're seeking out life in other places, Lord, guide us back to you. Thank you for the grace that you give to us in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you give us life. Lord, give us the power to walk in that life. For your good and for the good of this world that you desperately love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.